right now, what I want to do is I want to introduce our first guest. Let's get right into it. Um, the IRS has been in the news lately quite a bit, and I wanted to call upon one of Chicago's best tax attorneys for some tax talk. Uh, Steve Brown, a partner at the mega firm of Clark Hill for 50 years. He's represented individuals and businesses in sophisticated tax audits and civil litigation. He tries complicated cases throughout the country that involve millions of dollars getting great results for his clients. Steve, welcome to the show. Good to be here. To and be it, here. and I will say that Steve is my friend too. So uh, um, he's uh, a good a good man, and I highly recommend him if you ever have any of these kinds of legal issues. But although this case, Steve, uh, doesn't really involve IRS directly, I know you've done a lot of financial litigation involving money and business entities, and I did want to touch on the case that we've been watching over the last few weeks: former President Donald Trump and his family on trial in New York. This is a civil lawsuit brought against the Trump organization. Uh, alleging that there was fraud involved in the valuation of businesses and properties uh, to gain better loan deals. Um, I first want to talk about Trump's day on the witness stand. You know, I'm kind of, I, I don't know about you, but were you surprised that he testified? Would you, do you think you would have advised somebody like Donald Trump to have taken the Fifth Amendment? I'm not surprised because I don't think there's anything in connection with this case that could incriminate him. And if they ask him about one of the many other things that he has that's uh, our criminal in nature, his attorney could object based upon relevancy. So I think I would have told him to go ahead and testify unless there's something in this case that I'm unaware of. Now, um, you know, he was very, uh, by all accounts, uh, the, the media reported that he was a little bit disrespectful and he was combative and he was uh, derogatory toward the judge and the prosecutor. You know, what can the judge use that behavior against him when it comes time to rendering a verdict and rendering what the what the um, it's not a verdict in this case because as far it's not a uh, guilty or, or innocent it's going to be some sort of fine perhaps uh, or a barring of business but can the judge consider that behavior he can he or she can uh Probably not literally, but uh, but he will always hold it against him. I mean, I've never seen anybody rip into a judge like uh, like Trump did in this case. I, if I had a client like that, I would tell him don't do that under any circumstances. So I think it would hurt him. Uh, it just, um, you know, and we know that, you know, he's running for office and, you know, he wants to make his statement. He wants to, as I have said before, he'd rather be strong and wrong than weak and right. So, you know, the idea that he's becoming, you know, combative and he looks strong probably looks good to his base. But again, you know, I, I, you, you've been trying cases actually a lot longer than I have. And, you know, you got to be respectful in court. It's the one last bastion of, of formality, right? Especially in a bench trial like this. All my trials are bench trials because they're tax trials. And the last thing you want to do is really get the judge worked up against you. So, And, you know, I was thinking, you know, that what the judge needs to do is to look at, you know, what, what would deter him from doing this? Is he contrite? Is he, you know, does he, uh, does he feel bad about it? Is it something he's going to do again? And that conduct really doesn't go very well to, toward uh, a good a good verdict in this case. But uh, the you know, what I also wanted to talk to you about, Trump and the family members were saying that, you know, they never defaulted on any loans. So that even if the values of the businesses and the assets were inflated, that there was no harm, no foul, and therefore there's no, there's no, no, no wrong done. No, I don't see the point of that at all. I just don't get see that going anywhere. And why is that? Because it's not really related to the, what they say that he did. They said they uh, 
inflated value of his of his properties. He didn't say that he that he didn't pay on loans. But I mean, you know, but what he's saying is that because there was no harm done, what's wrong with lying about your assets? I mean, I, I mean, it's a it's a civil wrong to lie. I I understand. Well, the state that. says you can't do it. Yeah, and so, and that's that's the end of that. Right. Um, and. We've watched some ongoing legal woes of Hunter Biden, uh, and it was kind of a tortured history, but he admitted that he earned over $4 million and he owed taxes that he didn't pay. He eventually paid the taxes plus interest and penalties, uh, and then the government charged him with misdemeanor tax fraud, and he was going to plead guilty, but the judge didn't accept his plea, and now we have a special uh, counsel who's looking into it. I just want to ask you, Steve, how common is it for the government to charge a person for failing to pay taxes as opposed to failing to file? It's not at all common. Not at all common. And I was surprised to see it. It is a misdemeanor. And uh, the plea deal that they had worked out was that he would get probation for that. And that's not unusual for a misdemeanor. And and a lot of people, you know, you hear the people in the media saying, oh, it was a sweetheart deal. It was outrageous. But I I think you and I both know that, like you said, it's not common for the prosecutors to bring charges when someone doesn't pay. I mean, that's not to say you shouldn't pay your taxes, but it's just not usually not deemed to be a crime. Right. And, And it's a misdemeanor. And for misdemeanors, uh, probation is what people get usually. So uh, it's not a it, the, the media's all work up, but uh, I don't see it. And, and they're going to change it anyway. So because the judge didn't accept it, so they're going to have to change it somehow. And so um, let's talk about failing to file as opposed to failing to pay. Can you tell our listeners? how important it is to file your tax returns. <laughs> you have to file your tax return. Even if you don't have perfect information, you can say what you do know, explain it, but you have to file. By not filing, you don't get anywhere. It's, it, it, but failing to file is a misdemeanor, but still uh, you can get time for it, and it, and they can parlay that into an evasion case. If you win the lottery, no file, they'll say that was evasion. It wasn't failure to file. So you, you should file every year. Um, it, and with no exception, unless you don't make the minimum amount that you're supposed to to file, which is like fifteen thousand or something. But you should file every time. Now, I've seen this, and you have seen this. Someone fails to file their tax return. Then the next year goes by, and they go, "Shoot, I didn't file my tax return because I couldn't pay, so I didn't file," which is not the right way to think about it. But then all of a sudden, it's six or seven years, yeah. and a person hasn't oh, yeah. filed. I, you've seen this with lawyers and judges and businessmen, yeah, yes. right? Right. So tell us, tell us what happens. What what do you what do you advise somebody who comes to you in a panic that they haven't filed in all those years? And and judges, <laughs> and, and it's hard to talk like this to a judge, but you have to say, okay, that was wrong. You have to go back and start filing, and go back and file. We. Even if they haven't filed for 20 years, we say go back six because six is a statute limitation for criminal purposes. So we do this first six, and then if we have to go back further, we do. But we say we get them filed. We get a, him an accountant that can do the returns, and we get them filed. And what if there's no documentation? I mean, sometimes people don't keep their their earnings, uh, records of their earnings and their expenses. I mean, it's just it's a reconstructed a- attempt. You just do the best you can and explain what you're doing, and uh, this, this the IRS will uh, uh, will put up with that if, if that's true. 
the IRS wants you to file your taxes. So that's the fact that you've done it now is is a good thing. We're talking to Steve Brown. He's an attorney with the mega firm Clark Hill, and he represents individuals and businesses in tax audits and civil litigation. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the changes in the IRS that might affect our listeners. You're listening to AM720 WGN. We're here with Chicago's taxman Steve Brown from Clark Hill. He represents uh, people, businesses, and tax audits and civil litigation. Steve, give out your contact information yes, if anyone has a question for you. My office phone is 312-360-5010, and my email is sbrown at clarkhill.com. Let's, uh, I want to circle back. We were talking a little bit about the case that's going on regarding the Trump organization and the civil suit that's being tried right now in New York. And one of the defenses that we've heard is that the people in the Trump organization relied heavily on the accountants to formulate what the values of these assets were in signing off on them when given um, giving applications to banks and insurance companies and the like. Is that a valid defense that you relied upon an accountant? Yes, it is. It's used commonly in the tax area. In fact, uh, it, my partners laugh. At, it's always the accountant who did it. Of course, the accountant is going to say <laughs> something different. If he says something different, well, then too bad. But uh, yes. That's a good defense if, account, if the accountant did do it. I mean, generally speaking, though, when you file your taxes, let's just say like the average person, if you give your accountant false information, your accountant, what's the accountant's duty to do due diligence and go back and say, did you really pay $20 for that business lunch? Is that, is that part of what an accountant's supposed to do? No, 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 no. And they, they take the information from the client uh, uh, as, as if it's true. And so if it's not, then it's the, the client's problem. So let's go back to the uh, talking a little bit about the IRS. Um, what are the common issues that the IRS finds with tax returns? Because, you know, you represent people who get into an argument with certain deductions and certain different reporting. What, what are the common things that people do that get the IRS angry? Well, they don't report all their income per the W-2 and 1099s. And they over-deduct things which are outlandish, like uh, gambling losses when they're not a true gambler (laughs) as a profession. So uh, that's what happens. And and there are very large uh, charitable contributions, which are completely out of line with what their income is. And, you know, I see, Steve, people tell me, you know, and who haven't been audited, well, yeah, I just, I deduct the mortgage and I deduct my my child support. And like, I mean, just because you can deduct it doesn't mean that it's a legitimate expense. And uh, I just think people should be a lot more careful when it comes to these kind of things. People go to jail for that uh, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So are you, I know that the last, last year, the Senate passed a bill that would raise revenue by increasing the IRS budget dramatically. And um, there's an anticipated um, enlargement of the IRS and, and that they're going to go after people more. They're going to be more audits, more accurate audits. And with the idea being if we're spending all this money on the IRS, we're going to net more money in the long run. Have you seen this happened so far, or is the results not in yet? Uh, results aren't in yet, but that's going to happen for sure. There are going to be more audits, more IRS attorneys to try cases, and it's really going to provide for more income coming into the government. And so what advice do you have for businesses and people out there who are 
you know, whom, whom, you know, is, is, is this cause for concern? Is this, is this like, all right, now I'm going to be under more scrutiny and I better make sure that I'm on, on board here? It should be, but it, but it never does. But we, we, we always tell our clients, my God, uh, do the best you can and, and do not underreport income or over, over report deductions. And so we we say the same thing. It just doesn't seem worth it. You know, and and I suppose there are always people who like to live on the edge. They seem to just thrive on it, no matter how much money they make or how much they know they could get in trouble that they enjoy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like sleeping at night. Without. Oh, it's shocking what people who have so much money can do. Yeah, just and and still sleep at night. Yeah, I could never do that. No, uh, you know, especially when it when it morphs into the criminal mode here, because we're not just talking about money at that point, right? We're right. talking about going to jail. Right. Um, so do you think it's, a, I mean, just as, a, as an opinion, I mean, I know you practice in this area. I know you defend people who have done things that are correct and done things that are incorrect. But is this a good thing? Do you think that the IRS being more aggressive in going after some of the big the big wigs here, do you think that's a good thing for, for our government? Yes, absolutely. The, the, the people who make the most money should pay the most taxes and they shouldn't cheat. And so I think if the IRS has more personnel after them, they will... Uh, collect more more in tax. And do you think that the fact that the IRS is going to be indicting more people or, or flagging more people is going to set a precedent that's going to change this, this corporate yes. mentality? They indict people who will make headlines. They indict people who are known and, and uh, politicians and what have you, and they indict people to get uh, that in the news, and so other people get afraid and file proper tax returns. So the bigger you are, the harder you'll fall. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and you do see that with some of the politicians in Chicago. They they don't get them on the, the wire, t- you know, they don't get them on the bribe. They get them on the not paying the taxes right. on something. It's right? like, and even in gang if, if yes. fights and things, they always get the, the tax is always the easiest thing to prove. And so they get them for that. Well, didn't and didn't Al Capone go to jail for? Yes, and we all have we all have to know that as a good Chicago homeboy there, right? Right. right. Um, the last month, the IRS announced the launch of a program called the Direct File Pilot. Um, what 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 would this allow taxpayers to do without getting too complicated? And, and what do you think of this concept? I I heard about this on a radio as I drove over here. They're going to let people file tax returns even before the end of the year. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but they're going to make let people file tax returns on your telephone. Now it has to be just W two income and standard deduction, but they're going to make it as easy as they can. I mean, can you imagine filing your tax return on your phone. So, so what is there going to be? Some very simple phone where you upload your W twos? I guess I don't know how they're going to do it. So, and that's going to be um, not for people who have complicated deductions, right? Right, right, right. right, right. So, and and I guess the the idea being that they hope the that this is going to encourage people to file earlier and and, and on time and make it easy for them right. to. To report their income, so, they, so the IRS can concentrate on the on the other guys who've, with the big tax returns and the complicated tax returns. Yes, I have a question that I just sprung into my to my mind. I, you know, you see a lot of big corporations where the the corporate executive is getting paid some crazy amount of money, twenty million dollars, and you say to yourself, couldn't that company? A publicly traded company, you know, that has to answer to its shareholders, right, for to making sure that every the, all the expenses are legitimate and deductible. How do they justify a twenty million dollars settlement plus bonuses, in in and have that be deductible? Is there some idea that 
a salary could be so great that the IRS says that's not a legitimate salary. I've tried that issue many times. All you have to establish is that it's reasonable. If you get an expert to say it's reasonable, that's what he could make doing something else. Similarly, uh, it's okay. And I've won those cases time after time. Interesting. And then finally, there's uh, uh, this year, earlier this year, the Speaker of the House agreed to hold a vote on the fair tax, which would abolish the IRS and the federal tax system and just replace it with the national sales tax. What's your gut feeling about oh that? Oh, my God. It, every time this comes up, it's so it's so obnoxious because it's regressive. People who go have to go buy their food with their income, they'll get taxed on all that, a sales tax, and the p- rich people won't pay it. And so it's regressive. It taxes the low-income people much, much more. So you don't think that's a good idea for, no. for the – and, and, and you think it will benefit rich people, though? Yes. Okay, even though rich people spend more money. It's yeah. from if you look at the the cost benefit. They spend less percentage of their money than people who are going to the store to spend their all their salary on groceries. That makes sense, and of course you wouldn't like it because then Steve, you'd be out of a job, wouldn't <laughs> <Right>. you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. you'd, be, you'd be out of a job. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is Steve Brown. He's a partner with the mega firm Clark Hill. Represents people and business entities and tax audits. Why don't you give out your contact information again? Okay, my phone number at work is 312-360-5010, and my email is sbrown at clarkhill.com. And you can always contact me for Steve's information at yes. WGN at askkarenconti.com. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. 